KMTT, Kimitzion Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Vayishlach, Yud Zayn Kislev. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. I believe in the past we've discussed this theme in Sefer Bereshit, but I want to focus on two psukim within this theme, and it's really a continuation of our discussion last week, where we discussed the three different approaches to Eretz Yisrael. We spoke about B'nai Avraham, people from Chutzlar, it's coming to Eretz Yisrael, being foreign to Eretz Yisrael and coming and forging a relationship with Eretz Yisrael. We spoke about B'nai Yitzchak, who are the people who are born and raised in Eretz Yisrael and their whole lives are in Eretz Yisrael and their connection to the land. And we spoke about the Yaakov model, the model which merges the two previous models together, balances them, the Yaakov Avinu model, in which people who are Born in Eretz Yisrael, return to Eretz Yisrael. They also have to. They also have the familiarity of Eretz Yisrael of being born here, but at the same time, they have to strive for Eretz Yisrael because they've left Eretz Yisrael for a sizable period of time. In that sense, I want to discuss the term Kedem and a brief overview, as I believe we've discussed this in the past. But then again, there's always new listeners, though they can always listen to the old shurim. But let's not tear. Let's not uh, torture everybody. The term Kedem has a central place in Sefer Bereshit for describing those who have been pushed away, whether it because of sin or because of choices. This already starts after... Chet Adam Arishon, Adam the first man's sin. And Adam is chased out of Gana Eden, and it says at the end of Paragimel, So he drove out the man, and he placed the Kruvim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and the bright blade of a revolving sword to guard the way of the tree of, to the Tree of Life. So, if... Th- uh, if uh, if the sword is guarding Gana Eden to the east of it, so Adam has been sent out to the east of Gana Eden, and that's why they need to it needs to be guarded from that direction. So here's the first appearance of of Kedem, the east, and this happens again in the context of Cain. After Cain has sinned and killed his brother, Vayitzay Cain milifnei. Kidmat Eden. Okay, again to the east of Eden. The next appearance is towards the end of Parshat Noach, when we face the Dor Hapalaga, the generation that build the Tower of Babel, and there too, Vayhi Ben Osami Kedem when they journey towards the east, this happens, and they're falling out with God, or whatever took place there, 
Now, in the English translation here, it says, when they, as they journeyed from the east, because it says, Mikedem, but as we're going to see in the next appearance, that Mikedem actually means to the east. In any case, whether we read it as from the east or to the east, Kedem is prominent in describing their journey. The next time is when Abraham and Lot split path, their ways, and they go in different directions. And here already, Kedem is significant to Eretz Yisrael. There's in Breshit Noach, we are not an Eretz Yisrael-centered um, text. When we come into Parshat Lechacha, we're already Eretz Yisrael-centered. And here, Abraham offers Lot Smolvi Amin, which is north and south. In other words, come look at Eretz Yisrael. Go to the north, go to the south. And Lot looks over to the other side of the Jordan River into the Jordan Valley, and he decides, Vaisalot Mikedem. Now, here, they're standing in the middle of Eretz Yisrael, and it says, Vaisalot Mikedem. He traveled from the east, meaning to the west, if we accept that translation, which of course here we understand that we can accept that translation, because Sdom is on the other side of the Jordan. It's certainly to the east, it's around the Dead Sea, in any case. So Mikedem is towards Kedem, not as we understand in modern Hebrew, from the east. And and once again, and here, for the first time, we see that going to Kedem is going towards, towards the east, but leaving Eretz Israel. And this is the first time that someone is pushed out of the chosen category, and that choice means leaving Eretz Yisrael. We see this twice more, and now we should already be able to guess where we're going to see it appear, because we're going to see it around Ishmael and Avraham's other sons that he had from Keturah. First, in the context of Abraham's other sons, Vilivnei hapilakshim asher la Abraham natan Abraham matanot vayishalachem me'al Yitzchak beno beodenu chai kedma el Eretz Kedem. Abraham gives presents to the sons of the pilakshim, to the sons of Keturah, and he sends them away from Yitzchak kedma el Eretz Kedem. They are not going to be inheriting Abraham. Yitzchak is there inheriting Abraham, and that means not only are they not inheriting Abraham, but they are sent to Eretz Kedem. They are out. Being out of the chosen path is going to Kedem, as we've seen already previously in Sefer Bereshit. And interestingly, and here it's very subtle, Yishmael names one of his sons Kedma. Okay, and it's hard to see that as an accident. But interestingly, it's a it's a choice. Ishmael understands his role, and he names his son Kedma, realizing that he is not in the chosen path. He is has a different role. He has a significant role, but it's not the path of the chosen. So now, when we come to Yitzchak and sorry Yaakov and Esav, we should expect a similar pattern, as we've established. This pattern is quite substantial, but here, in fact what we find is a switch. 
And I'm pointing to two psukim, one from last week's Parsha and one from this week's Parsha. And both of them are different, as we're going to see momentarily. At last week's Parsha, when Yaakov leaves Eretz Yisrael, it says at the beginning of the 29th chapter, Parakhaftet, Vayisa Yaakov Raglav Vayelech Artsa Benei Kedem. Then Yaakov lifted up his feet and went to the land of the people of the east. Now, here, there are two things to note. Number one is that it doesn't say that he goes Vayelech Artsa Kedem. When it said about Yaakov, Avraham sending away his sons from Keturah, it says, Vayishalachem me'al Yitzchak b'no ba'odonu chai kedma el Eretz Kedem. They went to the land of Kedem. And here it says, Artsa b'nei Kedem, to the land of the sons of Kedem, to the people of the east. And number two, of course, is that it says it about Yaakov. Within this whole pattern, it's the people who are not chosen are going to the east. Someone who has done wrong, like Abraham and Cain, and perhaps Dora Palaga, they are going to the east. People who are not chosen, Lot, the sons of Abraham, Yishmael, they have a relationship to the east. But here Yaakov is going to the east. But he's not going to the east, he's going to the land of the people of the east. Well, certainly this makes sense on the level that Yaakov is leaving Eretz Israel, And previously, the path of those who are not chosen is the path out of Eretz Israel. On the other hand, Esav seemingly is staying behind. So Yaakov is leaving Eretz Israel; He is going out of the picture. But notice, as we've pointed out, he's going Artsa B'nei Kedem. He's going in the direction of the people who go to the east. There's some sort of lack of finality in Yaakov's movement, he's not going to the east, he's going to the land of the people of the east. In other words, and this is what we want to stress here, Yaakov is going into a risky position. He's going in the direction of the people who have been banished, who have been not put on the chosen path. By the fact that he's leaving Eretz Yisrael, he's putting himself at risk. And this goes back to what we discussed previously about leaving Eretz Yisrael. Leaving Eretz Yisrael is not something that we do easily. The Rambam discusses, as we discussed, three justifications for leaving Eretz Yisrael, for learning Torah, for marrying a wife, for a Parnassah. And we discussed that a Parnassah is not uh, necessarily a better salary, but ability to sustain oneself, if one has the ability to sustain oneself in Eretz Yisrael, then there's no reason, there's no justification for going to Chutz Laaretz. So yes, Yaakov has justification to go because he has to get a wife. That works within the Rambam. He's running away from his brother, who's threatening his life. That also works. But, he's going Eretz Kedem. He's throwing up his future into a question mark. He's going in the direction of the people who are not the chosen people. What will happen to him? Will he come back? 
by going to Artsa B'nai Kedem, he's putting himself at risk. He's putting his future in jeopardy. And that the Pasuk is pointing out. The Pasuk is saying, don't take this move to out of Eretz Yisrael lightly. This is not to be taken lightly. His connection to Eretz Yisrael, his connection to the chosen path, then is becoming something that is in doubt. He's not, it's not final, he's not going to Eretz Kedem. He's going to the land of the people of Kedem, the people of the East. The land that out of Eretz Yisrael is where the people who are not chosen go to. But we shall see if he becomes one of those B'nai Kedem or if he returns. And in fact, we read Parshat Vayishlach and he returns to Eretz Yisrael. This is all the more so significant within the Yaakov and Esav relationship because we know that they, from the Nevuah to Rivka, from the prophecy that Rivka received when she was pregnant, and from the Brachot that Yitzchak gives Yaakov and Esav, that Yaakov and Esav are really playing off each other. So if Yaakov fails, Esav might have the ability to take Yaakov's place in the chosen path. So when Yaakov goes in the direction of not being chosen, that becomes all the more significant. Because there is someone there who could replace him theoretically. When Yaakov goes down, Esav has the ability to go up. So Yaakov leaving to Chutzlaret is all the more significant within this context. For that reason, the Pasuk in this week's Parsha, in that vein, is very fascinating. Because we read about Esav, and at this point, Yaakov has returned to Eretz Yisrael, and Esav has chosen to live in Eretz Edom, Har Seir. And the Torah goes into great detail to tell you that Esav chose to leave Eretz Canaan. Vaikach Esav, in the last parak of the Parsha. Vaikach Esav, in Parak Vav of Pasuk Lamed Vav, Pasuk Vav, in Parak Lamed Vav, 36th chapter, the 6th Pasuk. Vaikach Esav, et Nashav, vet Bana, vet Benotav, vet Kol Nafshot Beito, vet Mikneu, vet Kol Beemto, vet Kol Kinyano, Asher Achash, Be'eretz Kenan. Vayelach El Eretz, Mipnei Yaakov Achiv. And Esav took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance which he had acquired in the land of Canaan and went into another country away from his brother Yaakov. For their property was too great for them to dwell together and the land in which they sojourned could not bear them because of their cattle. Okay. Esav is being described as leaving Eretz Canaan. Clearly he's leaving Eretz Canaan. He takes everything that he got, that he, he put together in Eretz Canaan, everything that he acquired in Eretz Canaan, and he leaves, and he cannot stay together in the land with Yaakov. Very similar to Avraham and Lot. They can't stay together. They're too much to stay together. Of course, Eretz Israel is a small country. There's always room not to be together, but to be in Eretz Israel. So this statement is much greater than just there's not enough room really to stay together. There's a choice here. So Esav picks up and leaves Eretz Canaan. Vayelach el Eretz. 
Mipnei Yaakov Achiv. And the English translation here, and he went to another country. The Pasuk is screaming to say, Vayelchel Eretz what? And we would expect within everything we've seen within Sefer Bereshit for the Pasuk to say, Vayelchel Eretz Kedem, Mipnei Yaakov Achiv. And in fact, Esav does go to the east, because Har Seir Edom is not so far away from Stone, from the same place that Lot went to, when he chose out of Eretz Yisrael. Esav is in Edom, and Edom is to the east of the Jordan, as we know from Jewish geography. And it should say, Vayelchel Eretz Kedem. And yet the Torah purposely omits this word. And I think that goes back to what we said previously. The relationship with Esav is never finalized. Yes, Esav left, left Eretz Yisrael. Yes, Esav went to Kedem, he went to the east. But, the Torah omits the word Kedem in the same vein that Yaakov did not, was not finalized by going to the east. And it just says, Vayelech el Eretz Artsa Bnei Kedem. Edom Esav also has some sort of question mark. And that's by the significance of the prophecy that Esav is somehow always in the picture. That, es- that remains as a threat to Am Yisrael. When we're not proper, when we're not behaving properly, when we're not acting as we should, Esav is waiting there in the background to try to regain his place. And so therefore the Torah does not want to say El Eretz Kedem and give a final decision on Esav. Esav is always looming there in the background. Did he go to the east? Yes. Did he leave Eretz Yisrael? Yes. Did he choose out? 95%. There's something there looming by the fact that it doesn't say Eretz Kedem, that Esav is looming there in the background. And all this, again, stresses the centrality of Eretz Yisrael within the chosen path. The chosen path is the path not to the east. Those who are not chosen go to the east. And the east is outside of Eretz Yisrael, as we've described here in the Psukim. And that our decision to be the chosen nation or not is dependent on staying in Eretz Yisrael. And that is the place of the Jewish people, Jewish people. And by leaving Eretz Yisrael, we run the risk of not being the chosen people. And when we choose that, a sub is looming there in the background to take our place. Eretz Yisrael is central to the Jewish faith. It is not something that is an extra thing, a hidur mitzvah. It is a pillar of Judaism, and we must realize that, as we've discussed over the last two weeks. So, have a Shabbat Shalom, Kol Tuv. This week is Parshat Vayishlach, and we have a few uh, interesting halachot or advice, as we've seen in the past. In many cases, it's Derech Eretz from this Pasha of Pashat Vayishlach. Uh, 
the first one I want to mention only because it's so relevant uh, although it will come as no surprise I think to anybody it's found in the beginning of the parsha when Yaakov is preparing himself to meet Esav HaRasha and uh, he's worried after all that uh, things may not go well so one of the things he does is he divides all his money into two all his possessions um, as well as the people and he says if we lose one we'll still have the other one and the other one will still get away um, unless the Midrash Rabbah makes the comment perhaps the obvious comment uh, from here the Torah teaches us it's not a halacha it's not a chiv in fact it's common sense but it's derech eretz shelo yehei adam noten kol mamono bizavit echad literally translated a person should not place all his money in one corner one corner of the room gives another case, not for money, but from Sakanat uh, Afashot in the time of uh, in the time of Eliyahu, where Ovadia had uh, explained why he was a good person. Ovadia, the steward of the king, said that he had hidden the Nevi'e Hashem. 50-50 in a cave, which means 50 in one cave and 50 in another cave. The question is, why did, why did he put all 100 in one cave? Apparently the same svar as Yaakov. So, from we learn from here, Torah the Torah, notice the Lashon of the Medrash, we've had this many times, I just want to emphasize it. The Medrash is saying, not that you could learn from here. The Torah is teaching you. It's not the main purpose of the Torah in this Pasuk, it's not a halacha, but there is an extra element to learning from the Torah things which are derech eretz. So the Torah is telling us that you shouldn't put all your money in one corner. And I assume it's relevant to some of the listeners and uh, we'll remember it in the future. In fact, about this case about uh, Ovadia, who had placed 50 Nebi'im in each Merah, the Gemara actually has a, a, a machloket. The Gemara in Sanhedrin of Lamatet says Maishna Chamishimish why did he only put 50 in a, in a, in a if there are 100 Nebiyim altogether, why did he only put 50 in the Ma'ara, in each Ma'ara? The answer is, <laughs> he did it because he was following Yaakov's example, and for the same reason, which is not explicit, but it's quite clear, he's doing the same thing. If one is lost, the other one will be saved. So he learned it from Yaakov, that's a Balaza, that Ovadio was copying Yaakov. Yaakov was worried about his money, but also about his people, and he was worried about the people. Rabbi Yabao Amar, Rabbi Yod disagrees. The question is, why do you disagree? Rabbi said, no, no, he put 50 in the cave, because the cave wasn't big enough for 100. The cave only fit 50. What's the question? He did 50-50 in caves, because the caves weren't that big. They were big enough for 50 people, but not for, but not for more. So Rabbi Yabao chose to not explain what Avadya did as being a deep, wise stratagem learned from Yaakov, but merely being a, a practical necessity. Perhaps I surmise that Rabbi Abo is not interested in praising Ovadia. He's, he's interested, he doesn't think that Ovadia was a great chacham or a great tzaddik. And therefore, don't, we're not going to learn anything deep from him. But in any event, the, the lesson itself, of course, is obvious. 
and it is among other things learned from Pashat HaShavua uh, there's a similar Gemara without mentioning our Pasha in Baba Metziah Lo'lam yashlish adam et ma'otav shlish pakarka shlish pagmatiyo v'shlish tachad yado Yaakov divided into two while facing a specific danger the, in the case of Adi also is a specific danger that worried about Achav who was killing Izevel who was killing the Nebi'ei Hashem but the Gemara in Baba Metziah says it as a general investment strategy should never put all your money in one corner as we say in English should not put all your eggs in one nest and the Gemara says you should divide it into three a third in Karka real estate which for the Gemara means uh, basically very secure Shlish Pagmatia you invest in, in business Shlish Tachad Yado one third liquid one third investment one third short term investment one third long term investment one third is is liquid. Most advice in in Baba Metziah. Okay, and while we're on this particular story, just want to mention one other interesting point made by the Chazal based on the story. And when Yaakov is praying to God, he says, "Katonti mikol hasadim mikol haemet, asher asita et avadecha." This is also connected to the first point we made, although not quite the same. And Yaakov says, I am smaller, I am unworthy of all the good which you have done for me in the past. The question is, why exactly does he say this? And the Gemara in Shabbat, Daflamid Bet, Amar Rabbi Yanai, Le'olam al ya'amod adam b'makom sakana lomar sh'osim lones. Number one, person is not allowed to take chances and depend on a miracle. We call that Ein Somchim Alanes. Just make them if you're a tzaddik or you're not a tzaddik, even Yaakov Avinu. We learn from Yaakov Avinu. You do not depend on a miracle. The whole Pasha is practical considerations that Yaakov did to try to get through this very difficult meaning with Esav. He sends him a present and he divides them into two and he apparently prepares for wars. Rashi brings... In other words, Yaakov is being practical. He's not just relying on God. So, a person should not stand in a dangerous place and say, God will protect me. That's not called bitachon. That's not called faith in God. Shema, Because one, who says it will happen? You cannot depend that God will do a miracle. Miracles are done, but as God sees fit, and you don't have a, a right or a demand. Or, or even a, a, a deep-seated faith the miracle will take place. But then the Gemara adds another point. You should also know that if the nais will take place, it, it comes out of the bank. Because if a miracle is done for you, it's nothing for free. Miracles are extra. Since they're extra, you can't assume they'll take place. You don't have, you don't deserve them. They're extra. Therefore, you may not happen. If it does happen, it's extra meaning it's taken off your account. You you will pay for it. Menakim no mischuyotav. You weren't a rasha. You were a tzaddik. You did do good deeds, but you you've now been paid off, and you will not be able to enjoy the merit of those good deeds in the future. Amar Avchanin, Maikra, where's this learned from? Katonti mikol achasidim mikol emet. He interprets the pasuk literally. Katonti, I become smaller, meaning my bank account, my Mitzvah bank account has gotten smaller. Everything that you've done for me, God, has in fact 
lessened me, meaning lessened my my merit, because it comes off it comes off the account. Uh, so that of course is a very important limud. Ain't some chiman God doesn't owe you. God doesn't owe you anything. And if you think he does owe you, then then he's paid you off. In which case he owes you less afterwards. And the main uh, thing in this pasha that I think is worthy to pay attention to, something which perhaps is not as well known, and I think has immediate ramifications for almost for all of us. Let's look later on. Perek Lamed Gimel. Vayavor Yaakov Shalem Ayoshechem Asher Be'eretz Kenan Be'evorom Ipadan Aram and Yaakov arrived safely, fully safely, to the city of Shechem, which is in Canaan, when he came back from Padan Aram. I'm sure the translation says, the little Pshad Vayichan, and he camped. He camped by the uh, entrance to the to the city. Okay, but the Chazal learned the word Vayichan in a different sense, not from the Lashon of Machane, to camp, but Milashon Chanina. He granted them something. Vayichan et Penei he he was beneficent to the face of the city. The Medrash Rabbah on the spot, Pasha Ayintat, says, Vayichan et Penei Chanan et Hapanim Shabair. He was beneficent to Penei The face of the city means the important people in the city. Hitchil Mishalech Lehem Doronot. That's the first explanation, but that's not the one I'm interested in. I'm interested in the next one. Devar Acher. Vayichan et Penei Ha'ir. Hitchil Ma'amid Hatlisin Umocheu Bezol. What he did was he opened up a discount marketplace. He set up a a stall and began to sell uh, goods cheaply. This is an example of what Chazal say: Shadam tzarich lahzik tova lamakom sheyesh lo hanamimenu. Okay, this is a halacha which Yaakov exemplifies. A person should and be grateful and show his gratitude. A person should show his gratitude to a place, a location from which he which he derives benefit. And the Medrash then continues, I'll quote us shortly, the story of Rav Shuman Yochai and his son Rav when they came out of the cave after spending many, many years there. And they were finally allowed to come out and they came to the city of Tveria and they were able to sort of settle down and get some material benefit. They right away said, what should we do? And they did a favor for the city of Tveria by... Uh, 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 they purified it from... There was a problem of Tumat Meite. And in the same in fact, they said explicitly, they said to each other, They learned it from Yaakov. Just as Yaakov opened up a discount purchase store or other kind of store, so we should something else, they found what to do. Similar Gemara in Shabbat of Lamed Gimel, and it's factors of Shema Yochai. He said about Tveya, a nace took place for me. Doesn't necessarily mean that the people were good, but I'm happy to be here. 
because a miracle took place, I should do something in return. Dechtev, vayavor Yaakov Shalem. And then it has a explanation of the Gemara as to what happened when Yaakov came to the city of Shechem Shalem. He finally, after all his tribulations and trials, he came to Shalem. What, what, what did Shechem do for him? It just allowed him to settle down in peace. So, of course, what happens later on, but in the meantime, in peace. Amarav. There's a number of examples in the Gemara what Yaakov did. All three examples that I'm going to quote, uh, he didn't pay the money. He used his wisdom, apparently his cultural superiority, to make the place a better place. He, he gave them money. They, they, before Yaakov got there, they used to barter. They, didn't, they, hadn't, they hadn't invented money yet. Yaakov was either smarter or perhaps his coming from Aram, a more culturally developed place. And so he established for them a currency. He established for them a a shuk, a marketplace. They didn't have a bathhouse and he established them a bathhouse. In other words, here, all three opinions, I, I like the opinion in the Medrash which says that not only he gave them a marketplace, but he gave them a discount marketplace. But the Gemara says that he gave them institutions which didn't exist. Currency, marketplace, or bathhouse. And then Rav Shuman Yochai, who's quoting this, then therefore said, well, what should I do for Tveria? And they told me they have a problem with certain uh, Tumah, there were bodies buried which weren't really known where, and interfered, and therefore he went and he fixed that up. It's an interesting halacha. It says that if you move to a new place, and it's good for you there, you owe something to the place. Jewish history is about this. The Jews came to a new country, even though it might always not always work out well in the long run. And perhaps you got there not because they invited you, Yaakov wasn't invited to Shechem, but you come to a place which allows you to put your bags down and rest your weary feet. You should give something back to the place. Because in Jewish history, we know that's what happened. Whether it was done on purpose or not, but the Jews, in fact, developed, usually economically, and contributed tremendously to the economy of the places to which they came. But the Gemara is saying is that one should bear this responsibility in mind. If you come to a place, it's good for you there, you benefit from the place, then you owe something, which you owe isn't necessarily to write a safer chidushim in your day. It's to institute something that's good for them. I don't know if this was really foremost in the mind of our forefathers, but, but the Gemara says it should be. And therefore, I don't know about Jewish history, but I do know about the present. Jews are found in countries today, which in fact it's good for them. They do, in fact, more than usual. Not just a temporary place to rest, but countries which basically saved Jewry and Judaism and the lives of the Jews who were there, their fathers. When the world was really bad for Jews, so the three countries in the world, United States for sure, was a place of refuge for individual Jews. And in fact, saved the existence of the Jewish people so a person should lahachzik tova. He should recognize the good. In other words, 
he should show his gratitude. And the examples are not to say you're great, you're, you're, you know, not to say you're grateful, which I think is obvious. Not to uh, you know, honor the country in which we've come, perhaps by celebrating Thanksgiving or something strange like that. Not to thank God for the fact that America exists, but to thank America, to thank the people. And how is that done? So you establish a currency, you establish a marketplace, you give back. You give back. That's a real gemara. That's a real chiyuv. Yaakov learned from Yaakov Avinu, Vayichan et penei ha'ir. You say in Hebrew, Chomer lemachshava, something to think about. Kol tov, the Shabbat Shalom.